Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Phillips Levin of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Football season is almost over, and I am sad. I am Philip Slavin, and this is the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. That's right. The season's almost over. We've got a Big 12 championship game. We've got six guaranteed bowl games. Maybe seven. Maybe. Maybe. That require a Big 12 team going to the playoff and then making it to the national championship game. So let's go with six. Six teams going bowling, six bowl games, plus a Big 12 championship game. Let's just, that's seven games. Let's go with that for now. How's that sound? Seven. A lot of line this week. Bowl games aren't set. We don't know where Baylor and Oklahoma are going to go, and it affects the other four bowl-eligible teams. Four teams that all finished five and four in conference play. Oklahoma State, Texas, Iowa State, and Kansas State. A lot on the line this weekend. Big 12 fans will be watching the Big 12 championship game. Also be watching the Pac-12 championship game between Utah and Oregon very closely. Watching the SEC championship game between LSU and Georgia very closely. A lot on the line this coming weekend. But the regular season is over, and I thought the best way to wrap it up was with one of my favorite things to do, a roundtable. I've got a doozy of one this week. Andy Mitz. Melissa Trebowasser, Keegan Renault, Levi Stevenson, all on the show. We did this Sunday night. We're splitting it up over three days because it is long. We had a lot of fun. A lot of tangents were gone on. A lot of riffs. A lot of jokes. It's great. I think you guys are really, really going to enjoy this week's episodes. I love when we do these roundtables. This was one of the best ones ever. I didn't say a lot. I kind of sat back and let them run with it. And they did a marvelous job. 
I want to go ahead and get to this one. I want to get it going. It's one of the longer ones. Before we do, make sure you're following us on Twitter, at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. If you like the show, do us a favor, leave us five stars and a review, and share it with a friend. I know football season is wrapping up. Don't worry, we'll have plenty of basketball coverage coming your way. And yeah, I'm going to try and figure out how to talk some women's volleyball at some point, because Baylor, number one overall seed. Texas, a two seed. Two of the best teams in the country are in the Big 12. Women's volleyball, Big 12, deserve some recognition. We're going to figure out how to give that to them coming up here probably next week. So with all that said, guys, ladies, kids, let's get to it. I've done this before, and I love doing it every single time. We are spending the week with a massive roundtable. It's the biggest one we've had yet because we have four guests with myself on for the next three episodes to break down the Big 12 season that has been. Very excited to welcome our guests. I have my usual uh, Monday cohort and a man who loves to piss off every fan base outside of uh, Lawrence, Kansas, Andy Mitz of the Land Grant Gauntlet and Rock Chalk Pod. Welcome back, man. Good to be back. I'm just uh, trying to decide who I'm going to piss off tonight. I look forward to seeing uh, all the complaints on Twitter. Maybe it won't be Iowa State this time. Uh, Making a return visit is someone I really didn't want to have to talk to after what happened on Saturday, but I'm going to be a big boy and do it anyways. Uh, Keegan (laughs) Renu is back on the show from Sooners Wire. Keegan, welcome back, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Good, good. All right, uh, the always awesome, the always insightful, the always funny, and the always so gracious to donate her time to us, Melissa Trebowasser from Frogs of War, makes her like 10 billionth appearance on the 1012. Melissa, welcome back. This was uh, far too nice of a welcome for someone whose football season is over and is dead to college sports at this moment, but thank you for the kind words. I really needed them today. I kind of figured that that was the case, so I thought I'd be extra nice to you. Um, last but not least, the guy who I'm sure is going to take up at least one full episode with one single answer to a question. That's right. Levi Stevenson of Wide Right Natty Light back on the show. Levi, good to see you. Good to ha- It's good to be back, Philip. Yeah, I got to crack this bitch. Oh. <laughs> I was wondering what was going to happen. All right. Okay, so we have everyone here. Um, I want to start with this. Regular season is over. Six teams going bowling. Uh, congrats to four teams who have all finished five and four. It's like kissing your sister in a four-way tie. It's it's kind of awkward, but, you know, say la vie. I want to start with kind of evaluating the conference as a whole. This, I have viewed this season as the the deepest the conference has looked in quite some time, top to bottom, even though obviously a lot of mediocrity in the middle and only six teams going bowling, four teams that didn't make it. I'm curious from you guys, and I, you know what, Melissa, I feel bad, but I'm going to let you go first. Um, what is your view on the Big 12 this season? Was this a, a good year for the Big 12? Is that yet to be determined if, whether or not they make it into the playoff? Does that matter in determining if this was a good year for the Big 12? What, what's your perspective on just how the conference looks this year? Uh, everything is terrible. Is that, okay, I'm done. Uh, no, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because it was, it's, it's kind of the gift and the curse of parity, right? Because uh, when you look at a conference who all 10 teams are coached by, I, I would say, top flight talent, 
um, at the head coaching position. All um, of the new coaches have seemed to overachieve in, in year one. Um, you've got your third year coaches doing some really impressive things um, with programs that weren't expected to be super competitive. And, and the elder statesmen, you know, you have Gary Patterson making, not making a bowl for just the third time in his 20 years and, and Mike Gundy, um, you know, surviving injuries at the quarterback position, the wide receiver position, um, and a lot of other things to have Oklahoma State kind of right in the mix um, at the middle of it. It was definitely one of those weeks where any team could beat any team on any given Saturday, um, which is really, really fun if you're a fan of Big 12 football and really, really bad if you're not. Um, and, and the national narrative continues to be that this is a conference that doesn't play defense despite uh, week in and week out seeing otherwise conference that doesn't have elite talent, which we see is clearly not the case. Um, and it's a conference where the SEC has just downright stolen most of the offensive concepts and utilize them for themselves, uh, which just means that apparently that they're more talented than us because now that they're doing what the Big 12 was doing four or five years ago, it must be good. Um, I, I think it, it, the parity is the conference overall, like you said, just 16 bowling. Um, and, and I think, you know, and, and Oklahoma is going to have to look really, really impressive and, and need Utah to lose to Oregon to be in the mix. I don't see any way that Baylor gets one of the four playoff spots because of the parity of the conference. Um, and I think they're looking for any reason to leave the Big 12 out this year. So uh, it made for a lot of fun football games, but it also, I think, made the, the national perception of the Big 12 less from people who don't watch every week and realize just how good these teams were and how well coached most of them were most of the season. Leva, I want your opinion next, but to the people who don't watch, can we all just – can Jim Mora just go away? Just yeah, go idiot. work in the back room of a gap idiot. somewhere in Nebraska because, good Lord, that man hasn't watched a single second of Big 12 football but seems to know everything about it. I mean, he's stealing money from ESPN at this point with the fact that he's not doing any research, he's not watching any games, and they continue to just put out his content. It makes zero sense. Speaking of stealing money from ESPN, I don't know if you guys – you guys ever watched a basketball game that uh, that Chris Patola is uh, – Chris Spatola, Chris Spatula is, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know you're talking about. he is brutal. I don't know if you guys ever have to listen. It's good. So the reason he has a job at ESPN is because I think because coach K is his father-in-law and I don't know, somehow got a job or whatever, but just if you ever are, are uh, unfortunate enough to have to sit through a basketball game that he's commenting, commentating on, just, just plug your ears and start snorting bleach. I don't know. <laughs> Nothing gets better. Look, I mean, anyone that right. works for the SEC network is basically stealing money from ESPN because all they have to do is get up there and say, rah, rah, SEC, and it kind of prints itself. I, I mean, you know, they're they're making a bunch of money for ESPN because the, the idiots that are fans of SEC schools uh, just lap that stuff up. But, uh, yeah. Did yeah. you guys um, called for Nick Saban so many words today? No way. Like basically said that he wasn't sure that Saban um, is is going to come back from this, and it's it's obvious he's not as locked in as he used to be, and that maybe he's starting to. It might be time for him to start thinking about retirement. That someone should have just moronic. That is freaking someone awesome. should have just responded to him with that, and then put the video of him before halftime just going nuts, yeah, yeah. And saying he doesn't care. <laughs> imagine, yeah. imagine being the guy that has to be the first one is to come out with the Nick Saban is trash coach is a trash coach take. <laughs> Like imagine, imagine being the first person to come out with that take, and, it, and it's Paul Feinbaum of all people. Well, that's that's Paul Feinbaum's mo is he he is the hot take extraordinaire for for the SEC network. He just loves to come up with those hot takes, and normally it's 
against, you know, non-SEC schools. He loves to have those right. against anybody that's not in the SEC. I, I mean, I, honestly, I think he's been sitting on that one for a really and long then, time. Yeah, and then Feinbaum fires one over the bow with, like, the greatest college coach mankind has ever seen. And it's, <laughs> it's like, what the hell? He's, and he's so rich. He's just so wealthy. People are paying him so much money for this garbage. It is something else. <laughs> Okay, so uh, before we continue too far down the uh, oh, did you want me to talk about the Big Twelve or something? Yeah, what, what Levi? <laughs> what do you think about the season that, that just wrapped? So this is this is it's it, this is how you define the season comes down to two conversations that Big Twelve that the people within the Big Twelve fans, teams, whoever else needs to have an honest conversation about on how we define success because just because of the way the landscape is, we can either define success by a national perception. Which is, which is, you know, do people still think the Big 12 is just all offense, no defense, and that just is what it is? Um, if we're because ba- if we're basing on basing off national perception, if we start caring about that and who gets into the playoff and all this stuff, um, then you know probably not great because you don't have a lot of bowl teams, uh, and the ones that are in bowl team, like for instance Iowa State, a lot of people had them pick eight, nine, some crazies even had them for ten wins. Or whatever, and they obviously didn't pan out for a multitude of different reasons. Um, but you can also turn this around and say, if you, if you have an honest conversation with yourself and say, for say one, there is no chance that any one loss team in the Big Twelve ever gets into the playoff unless they're Oklahoma or Texas. If you're not Oklahoma or Texas, you need to be undefeated to get into the playoff. That's probably I, – I would argue that that's a, a damn near fact at this point just because that's just the way national perception is, and it's going to take decades before that, change, before that changes. So if you accept that, that Texas and Oklahoma are the, only two, are the only two teams capable of getting into the playoff with one loss, no matter who that loss is to, then you can say, okay, were the games fun? Were, the game, were they competitive? Did they produce a good conference champion? Um, you know – you basically you have to decide whether you're concerned about getting in uh, to the cool party at the at the frat down the street, or if you're trying to have fun at your own party. And that's that's what that's the honest conversation the Big Twelve has to have with with itself. Now, when you're talking about TV deals and things like that, um, then national perception does matter because that that drives your that drives how much money you can ask for in in TV contracts. Um, but when you're talking about the success success of individual seasons. Um, I think you can look at it with a little bit different lens and say, did the Big 12 do well? Were the games competitive? Was it two teams at the top and the rest of, and just a bunch of crap teams? Um, which the Big 12 was not this year at all. Even the teams that finished last, West Virginia and Kansas, both both challenged some really good teams and beat a couple of good teams. Um, and you know, you had you had parity from top to the bottom from top to bottom. I mean, there was only a very few, very precious few games that were true blowouts. Um, a lot of them were close for a while, and then they one team pulled away, or they were just close the whole way. Um, and to me, depends on how if you if you value your product and say we want to have the most exciting league, we want to have the most competitive league, where you know it's not just a given that somebody shows up and this team's going to win on Saturday because it is what it is. Um, if you're defining, if you if you adjust your measuring stick for that, then I would argue that the Big Twelve had a very good season. I think it's solid. This is a solid take. I I. I with that though, I, I mean, if Utah loses this weekend and Georgia or an LSU beats Georgia and Baylor beats OU, Baylor's getting in, right? Nope. No. Not a chance. No chance. Who's getting in over them? Georgia. 
as a two-loss team? Yeah, I, I have to disagree. I think if, if Georgia loses, especially if they lose big to LSU and Baylor comes out and beats Oklahoma, I, I, I think you have to put Baylor in over over Georgia. Because, right, but that's but that's our that's our opinion. That's not national perception. But that's, right, but, but the, that's also the same thing. Is you know Georgia at this point, everybody everybody says that Georgia. The only reason that Georgia's above Alabama is because Georgia has been more impressive in in the wins or in in, in what they've had. If they have two losses, that drops them down to around the same level as Alabama. Especially since they have that horrible loss to South Carolina. And I mean, at that point, you know, you have Baylor, whose only loss is to a top 10 Oklahoma team who they then went and beat in the big, in the big 12 championship. I just don't see how you can honestly leave them out. Even if, you know, the only, the only way you do leave them out is if Georgia wins. You're working off the, you're working off of, you're working off the premise though, that there one isn't a very clear and obvious push or or, uh, you can call it a bias if you want or whatever, but a clear agenda designed to get SEC big 10 teams into the playoff. Um, so we're, we're not, we're not, we're not arguing our group here or this podcast is not, is not debating on the same playing field as the college football playoff committee. I so mean, you have to, you have to put a, you have to handicap the precedent though has been said, it, there hasn't been a two loss team get in now. It could happen. I'm not disagreeing sure. with that fact, but I, I think when you're looking at way the schedule plays out this weekend and LSU, and I think we're all, we all on the same page here. We all think LSU is going to take it to Georgia this weekend. Um, I, I, I don't you see know what that, you know what that'll give Georgia a quality oh, loss, quality loss. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh, <gosh. laughs> they already have one against South Carolina, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, what, this is, it's going to be an interesting weekend. No, absolutely. And I, I think when you take a look at the whole spectrum of things, like there is a legit path for Baylor to get into the playoff. I mean, they win this weekend, Oregon beats Utah and LSU wins. And, I mean, you give them a best shot. And then if Baylor's left out after that, we go ahead and burn it down. We remove the college football playoff. We all go get pitchforks. And, no, and no, we don't because no one will care. Outside uh, of I was going to say, do we, uh, do, we, do we burn this thing down and say this is terrible because, because Baylor didn't get in or because the, yeah. the team in this situation didn't get in? There you go. No, uh, we, we, we learned in 2014 that if there's a way to change the narrative to keep out a no-name 12 yep. program, they're going well, to Well, they do did it, it twice um, in that one did, year. TCU and Baylor exactly. both had cases. And Baylor both got screwed. And and the, the, the change that the Big 12 made in response to that was this meaningless Big 12 championship game, um, which is probably would only hurt the conference in this particular scenario. But right. they're going to change every single year what the metrics are, what the criteria are. We've seen them do that time and time again. They justify getting Bama in, you know, a year or two ago when they didn't even play in the SEC championship. So – just because they, we haven't seen a two-loss team get in doesn't mean that they'll say, well, you know, if you look at the quality of the loss and playing an LSU team that's rolling right. and Georgia only lost by 11 points, and they're they're going to find a reason to do it. At Baylor, they've, they've made it very clear how they feel about Baylor. They threw them a bone by putting them in they feel that number Baylor's eight or nine or whatever they are. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, you can, you can look at the – if you're the playoff committee, it's very easy to look at the way that they've played the way that they've won games, the, the way that they lost to Oklahoma and say this is a team that has lived on the razor's edge all season long. They're going to fall on the right side of it occasionally. But it's going to be very easy for them to sell it, and it's not going to make anybody outside of Big 12 country upset when they don't include them because nobody cares about the non-Blue Blood team. So then so then, does Baylor get does Baylor getting in the playoff actually I – w- I don't know if you'd say hurt the Big 12, but it, it – I- it doesn't help, I don't think, because you will have a whole bunch of people in the Big 12 not give a shit. Like, 
Yeah, what? and and if they get rolled right the, against uh, Ohio State cheering. or LSU, which they would, because they they would. I mean, Baylor has been a great team in this conference, but I I don't see them matching up well against one of those yeah. elite, you know, one or two teams. Unfortunately, they just don't have the firepower to do it. But yeah, if they go in and, and they pull a Washington or a Florida State from a couple of years ago, then everybody's gonna say, "See, Big Twelve isn't any good. It should have been a two-loss SEC team. Right. This wouldn't have happened if it were Georgia or Alabama." And so I, I think it's almost a dangerous situation if you're the Big Twelve Conference to see uh, to, to get in that position and have them favor Baylor. Now Baylor deserves it. You know, if they beat Oklahoma, they're absolutely one of our most deserving teams in the country. But again, that's not the criteria. That's, it, it, what matters? Most, yeah, most deserving isn't the criteria though. But but also they've shown that best isn't the the most important criteria too because nobody was playing as well outside of Ohio State maybe you could argue but TCU in 2014 was playing as well as anybody in the country and and, and could have won any of those games I'm incredibly biased and I'll never get over that so I'm going to keep bringing it up to every opportunity sorry no no, no but, no, I'm but with honestly, you. I still stand by TCU point, would have won the national championship if they'd gone in 2014 look yeah I I, I, think I agree the whole that. point about it being maybe even bad that Baylor would make it in this year is honestly a bunch of crap because Oklahoma two years ago, they said the same thing about Oklahoma. They went in and got completely steamrolled by Alabama, came back the next year, Oklahoma got in and made it a game. And, you know, everyone was talking about how strong this shows the big 12 is and coming into this year. And really, I think it's just the only reason the big 12 is not getting, you know, it's due is because everybody assumed after Texas beat Georgia last year, that Texas was going to be back from a national standpoint. And because Texas fell off, the, the thought immediately was, oh, well, the Big 12 just isn't that great because, look, Texas isn't great at all. Yeah, right. and, and Texas has to be the second best team. But, but but here's the thing. I think if Baylor beats Oklahoma, if, if, if we're all right and LSU goes and blasts Georgia, the only way that I don't think Baylor gets in is, one, if Utah just goes and blasts Oregon because I think that's going to throw a wrench in everything because for whatever reason the committee is giving Utah, you know, a much more clout than either Oklahoma or Baylor. Um, but assuming that, that Utah loses to Oregon, because I think that's a very real possibility, the only way that Baylor doesn't make it in in that situation is if Alabama is still above Baylor in these college football rankings. Because if, if Alabama is or if Auburn jumps up above Baylor in these rankings, then we know they give Baylor absolutely no credit at all. But if if Baylor's above both of those teams and Utah loses and Georgia gets blasted and Baylor beats Oklahoma, I, I, I think Baylor jumps up into the number four. And at that point... It's all about just keeping the conference in the playoff because that's where you get the hey, most eyeballs. It does not. It does not matter where you're ranked Tuesday night. It does not mean a damn thing where <laughs> Baylor is ranked Tuesday night. Speaking from experience, no, but <laughs> they will move it around ba- yeah, after next be, weekend. They'll be yeah, they'll be seventh and or heading. They'll be seventh Tuesday night. It'll be six and seven for the Big Twelve Championship game. Should be should be a pretty good game. Oh, it should be a great uh, game, yeah. And in, you know what? Though, you're in Dallas. I'm you're absolutely to. right in that that we we are the argument against Baylor potentially being bad thing for the Big Twelve making or being bad for the Big Twelve is the exact reason why they're going to justify keeping Baylor out, which means that we should be 100 percent arguing Baylor can go in and win any game that against any team that they play against because we're supposed to believe in this, right? On some level, I guess. But but I think what I was saying there is, you know, if if Alabama or Auburn are above Baylor then I don't think it matters what Baylor does because a Georgia team that loses, they could lose by 50 and they're probably going to say SEC team, no matter what is better than Baylor. But if, as long as Baylor is in that, you know, seven spot behind Oklahoma at six, you know, then yeah, it's going to take Utah losing and it's going to take Georgia losing. But I think both of those are very likely things to happen. And then at that point, it's whoever wins between Oklahoma and Baylor should be in at that point. 
Um, and so, I mean, I think it does matter. They say they reevaluate everything every single week, but I don't see how you can come out of a, you know, Oklahoma Baylor, uh, big, big 12 championship game. If both of those teams are above say in Auburn or in Alabama and not have the winner of that move up into the number four, when Georgia gets blasted by LSU. Okay. So I don't want to spend all this on the playoff because it's, it sucks. Four teams, maybe one Big Twelve team. <laughs> uh, I, I want to talk about, and plus, you know, I didn't bring all you guys on just to talk about Baylor. If I want to talk about Baylor, I bring a Baylor guest on. Let's let's talk about the rest of the conference because you know there's nine other teams outside of Baylor. Um, so real quick, looking Phillip, at this, can season, I go ahead? Can, can I go ahead and give my thoughts about the conference as a whole? So yes, so, please. Uh, a point that no one has brought up. I think the way that this season has gone. It has actually set us up for a surprise contender next year because every single one of these teams, you know, that's been five and four and honestly, even all the way down to Kansas, we have seen positive signs from all of these teams or the teams that have disappointed have disappointed because of injuries or, be, you know, because one key guy in one key spot didn't work out the way that they expected. Like each of these teams, you can make an argument that if a one particular guy comes back and, you know, really, really performs really well or, you know, gets that that development up to, up to the next year. Like, any of these teams from Texas all the way down to KU could surprise the entire league next year and jump from, you know, being a basically 500 team to contending for one of the two or three spots in the, in the Big 12 there. So I, I think what this year does success-wise is my, might actually – based on the, on the discussion we've been having may actually be a problem next year, because I think literally any team can take this year and, and have a reasonable argument for jumping up and being one of the better teams, including, you know, a, a team that would knock out a Texas again, or, you know, do something that would keep the big 12 down from a national perspective, because there's so many non-traditional big 12 powers that are, that are up at the top of the conference next year. And you see a lot of the parity from the conference this year was due to a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of teams that were really young, like a lot of, like almost all, like mm-hmm. all, all the teams that are jammed, log jammed in the middle, are all super young teams. And so you're going to see now you see a lot of parity that because you had a lot of good teams or, or, you know, at least decent teams that were just eating each other alive. Now you're going to have all of those teams are going to grow next year and you're going to have, you know, who knows if there's going to be a, you know, Oklahoma is probably a fair bet to at least be, to be a front runner. Um, but you know, who's, who's the second best team there. And I, you know, cause there's a lot of those teams that were log jammed in the middle, aren't really losing a lot of their key players. You know, a few, there's a few of them graduating, obviously, but a lot of them will be able to go to their 2020 roster and say, this is a better roster than our 2019 roster. And that's, so you're, you're just taking this meat grinder and you're just making it more competitive. Especially when you're looking at the aspect of, when these teams that are returning, they're they're returning guys. I you look at skill talent up at Iowa State. Um, I think Brees. I think the world of Brees Hall. I think he's going to end up being not maybe as good as David Montgomery is, but definitely heading in that I direction. Disagree with you slightly but there. The quarterbacks that are coming. Uh, I think he's gonna, he's going to be better than David. And he. There we go. Yeah, there we go. I thought so in Norman when I covered seeing him on the field in the fourth quarter it was. Yeah, I think he's going to end up being a star. But the quarterbacks coming back in this conference, I mean, you're looking top to bottom, maybe the best quarterbacks in a country, as a league in the country. You're also looking at the head coaches in the conference, probably the top to bottom, the best head, best head coaches um, out of especially all the power fives. So, I mean, this, con- this Big 12, and I know I sp- 
talked with Philip before the Bedlam game, and I made, made this comment. I, this is heading into maybe a new golden age of the Big 12. And, I, I, it's, I, of course, it's heading right into when the Big 12 is going to – the grant of rights is going to be up in 2023, 2024, 2025, that, those years. And the conference realignment is going to start heating back up. And this conference is really starting to hit its stride and getting back to where it needs to be. Because, yeah, granted, Oklahoma next year is going to be really good. You're looking at Spencer Rattler coming in. You're looking at the three five-star wide receivers that haven't got a lot of run this year. They're going to return basically everyone on the offensive line, including Creed Humphrey, from what I understand. But after them, I mean, Charlie Brewer and Baylor, you're looking at, I mean, TCU with Max Duggan. There's a chance that they could they could take a leap. And they were young this year. Texas Tech going to get Alan Bowman back. Um, Kansas State, obviously, is Chris Kleiman. Is the quarterback, is Skylar Thompson, is he a junior? Everyone returns the quarterback this, except for Oklahoma. Yeah. And Kansas. And, and Kansas. And then you enter, oh, and you Kansas, enter Spencer, yeah. Spencer Rattler in Oklahoma. So, yeah, this conference is heading in the right direction. And this year, I mean, like you guys have already said, any given Saturday, any, anybody could go win. You know, Oklahoma turned the ball over, just opened the door for Iowa State and Baylor. So anybody in this conference can beat anybody. And I, that's going to be huge um, heading into next year. If, and, and these teams need to take that next step. And you I know think what, though? But isn't that going to create more of the same problem? Right. That's, I was well, just no, going to say everybody that. Gets that better, goes back yeah. to my original argument is, is how you define, you know, the Big 12 overall, the overall quality of the teams is going to be better next year. But you're still going to have – honestly, because the records are probably not going to look a lot different than they do this year. You know, you're just going to have better teams fighting for the same number of wins, essentially. So – well, what you need is West Virginia and Kansas to not steal any wins from anybody or whoever's eighth next year, whoever that is, not to steal any wins. They're not supposed to. And hell, maybe that's still, maybe that's but, still. Yeah, but fat, even, but, fat chance with that. Brent Deerman is going to, is, is going to steal at least two wins next year. I'm just, I'm just calling that now. And it's just, you know, so you have to look at it. You have to look at it from that, you know, from the national perspective, people are going to look at the big 12 and see a whole bunch of six and six to eight and four teams. They're going to see, you know, like, 50% of the conference is sitting at six to, six to eight wins. And they're going to say, well, the Big 12 has no good teams this year, even though we're going to well, be. Let me, let me let me counter that for a second. Hold on. Because I don't think it's – I think one of the things that we haven't talked enough about that has hurt the Big 12, and I know it's not – I don't love how much teams get credit for what happens in the non-conference early in the year. But they do. And the Big 12 had one marquee non-conference game, Texas against LSU, and Texas lost. Name for me the other good Big 12 out-of-conference wins. Because those early season games help really set the narrative for how conferences and teams are going to be moved or viewed moving forward. And yeah, that, that changes some. But when you don't have wins early in the season to get people talking to you about you and paying attention to you and, and, and stumping for you, you're sitting in a situation with Baylor right now where it's like, yeah, but their non-conference sucked and they've been these close games and, and, and it's taken people forever to, they took them forever to get ranked. I didn't think they got ranked in, by, even by the AP until like week six or seven because they hadn't played anybody in non-conference. The Big 12's non-conference schedule is going to be big next year. They have got to win any big opportunities. Texas is going to play LSU in Baton Rouge. OU is replacing UCLA with Tennessee. I know Tennessee's not awesome, but both this year. beating an SEC team is still better than not i mean we thought the kansas state win over mississippi state was pretty good that was a good that was a big win for kansas state and it didn't carry much weight because you know it's mississippi state and it's kansas state but the point is the conference in non-conference play next season has to go out and be impressive because that's going to set 
the early expectation for how people view the Big 12 moving through. If everybody looks really good against their non-conference opponents before conference play starts, well, these are good teams and they're just good teams beating each other. But if you're losing to everybody good and your best wins are what? Mississippi State, Louisiana Tech, Purdue, you're you're screwed from the get-go. But but I would argue the only bad losses that we really had in the non-conference were Kansas losing to Coastal Carolina and Texas Tech losing the way they did to Arizona. Um, but, you know, Kansas then um, coming back and uh, destroying uh, Boston Iowa, College. Levi. I will won eight games. Uh, you guys, please I wouldn't go, call that a please bad go loss. Beat. Nobody calls that a bad yeah, loss. Actually, bad you, loss. Know what, you know what? You know what was a worse loss than losing to Iowa? Beating UNI in overtime. True. <laughs> yeah. But, but, this, but that goes back to it's not just about the losses. It's about who you're winning, who you're beating. Like, who are the best wins? Forget the losses. Who were the best non-conference wins this season? I get at, that point. Is at UCLA but, one of them? Is but at the, Oregon State one of them? Like, when the opportunities present themselves, the Big 12 has to win those games or they just don't have the things to hang their hat on. So, like, Iowa State needs to beat Iowa. Oklahoma should beat Tennessee. Texas needs to beat LSU. Iowa State's football season doesn't start yeah. until after well, the Iowa and game. It's right. also oh, worth noting that that's, like, one of the only rivalry games that gets played early in the season. And it's a bunch of garbage. Because if mm-hmm. I would say if I would say played Iowa in October and November, it'd be a very different conversation. But that's a different that's a different podcast. <laughs> but I think that the point the, the, that I was trying to make, is, Philip, is that yeah. is that you know Kansas having that win against Boston College and and you know some some of the other ones we had essentially made everybody look and say, hey, there's a bunch of essentially mediocre at worst teams in the Big Twelve. But that hurts the national perception because college football is such a, you know, is the top of your conference the best compared to the other the top of all the other conferences? It's not like in yeah. basketball where a strong overall conference is rewarded with a lot of bursts to the NCAA tournament, you know. And, and so you, you talk about how strong a conference is not only by how good the very best teams are, but also by how deep the conference is. In the college football world, it's only it only matters how good your best team is. And so if you have a very strong conference, you're going to get hurt by the fact that that conference is that strong. You know, but honestly, like I think that the Big 12 as a conference is thought of a lot better than like the ACC where it's basically Clemson oh, and absolutely yeah. nobody else. The only reason Clemson is even in the college football playoff discussion right now is because they're defending national champions. If 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 Clemson did not have the year they had last year, everybody would be laughing at their chances to get into the college football playoff at this point. And and so I think the Big 12 is in a better position than a league like the ACC, which is so bad except for the one team up at the top. Mm-hmm. And that's what the issue is, is that when you're talking about college football, your conference, because the only thing that matters, like the only way you have a chance of winning a national championship is if your best team is one of the best four teams – it doesn't matter how good the rest of the conference is right. unless it actually makes your best team look better. Conference, and then, yeah, and college the, football is all yeah. about the key. It's all about marquee wins. Whereas basketball, you can like, you don't need a ton of marquee wins if you have a bunch a of respectable overall. wins. Right. So I think that's the problem. The big 12 is in a good, you know, a good situation in terms of how people view the conference, but they don't view the best team in the conference as good. Um, I think though that that's going to, you know, change next year, at least in comparison to a team like the ACC, because Clemson won't get that benefit of the doubt of being the defending national champion, you know, after we this assume. year. And the rest of that conference is going to be atrocious next year. It's going to be horrible. That's a fair point. You say hey, the at a conference next year? 
I, I was just making sure before because Baylor's got Ole Miss to start the year next year, and I did not realize that. That I mean, that Ole Miss is a dumpster fire, but that's at least a a logo that a Big 12 team could possibly beat. Iowa State has Iowa. Oklahoma has Tennessee at home next year. Kansas State, Vanderbilt. Oklahoma State still has the Oregon State <laughs> and then the best rivalry game in football when they play Tulsa. Um, SMU, TCU's got at Cal and at SMU. Um, and obviously Texas has that LSU and Lordy that could get <laughs> ugly quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tech, Tech, Texas Tech has Arizona, and West Virginia has Maryland. So, I mean, there, there's at least some ground that the Big 12 can gain in the non-conference. But they, they need another impressive bowl showing this year. And I know that that doesn't mean anything in terms of evaluating a conference, but uh, it's going to go a long ways to continue to really knock out that perception or at least Jim Moore needs to get fired from ESPN. <laughs> well, um, a good bowl season, a good bowl that. season at least no, convinces no. the dummies on social media that I, that the big 12 is good. That's what, that's, that's go. what matters. Yeah. So can we start that so let's, fire let's, Jim Moore hashtag, please? Yes. I mean, I think we just, we'll just revive it from his UCLA days, right? Well, yeah, but. And his Falcons days. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, a couple of things before we go. Just a reminder, make sure you're subscribed to the 1012 podcast so you don't miss a single episode during the football season. Two, rate and review the show five stars. Please, it helps guests get the word out about the show to other people. Plus, we just like to know what you like and don't like. Just if you're going to give us one star, let us know why. We appreciate it. Don't forget, if you want to be part of our first mailbag episode this month, shoot us your question. You can DM us on Twitter, at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast, or you can shoot it to us in an email. That's 1012podcast, T-E-N, number 12, word podcast, at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.